and welcome to None of My Business. I'm Michael Jackett. This is a business podcast, but mainly it's about people and their business. It's driven by my own curiosity and passion for learning from every conversation. Chris Wildsmith, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, uh, Michael. Um, great pleasure to be here. Chris, you and I, um, we met very, very briefly um, back at a super cheap auto conference a couple of years ago. Um, we were we happened to be talking to the guest speaker at that point at the same time, and um, I think we would have said hello to each other. And um, but thank you very much again for um, you know joining, accepting the invitation because it was very much out of the blue and. You probably hadn't seen or heard of this podcast before, so it was very generous of you to accept. Um, but what 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 impressed me about the Super Cheap Auto Conference? Well, first of all, I was very impressed by that conference, and I think it. And I'd like to get your sort of take on the inner workings or the you know being inside the SCA business for so long. Um, but what I took away from an outsider was a business that was very focused on its people, um, a business that was very aware of the partnerships between itself as the retailer and the suppliers, um, you know, wanting to ensure that it was taking those suppliers on that journey with them, you know, because for the, for the business of super cheap to do well, it required the suppliers to do well at the same time. Um, so they're sort of my, they were my initial takeaways. And I re- honestly walked away from that sort of being really impressed going, wow, that's a company that I'd, you know, like you'd want to work for, you know, if, if that was the, if where you were going in life and that, you know, part of your career was, you know, to do with retail and, and, and a brand like that, I, I walked away and I said, that's a great company. Um, can you just explain to me what, you know, just, and again, we won't dig too far into the SCA stuff because I know, you know, you're a different business now, but what are you, what were your kind of just top level takeaways from that business? Because you were there for 14 years, was it? Yeah, correct. 14 years, uh, Michael. Look, I, I think it's like any business, it's a journey. It's an evolution. And uh, the, the business started uh, from a very entrepreneurial um, spirit and it uh, was about an understanding of its uh, customer and what its customer was uh, looking for. And uh, back in those days, it was very much about a value offer. That's the, uh, um, the beginnings. And uh, started uh, really with uh, one product in the uh, founder's um, lounge room and uh, rapidly grew into retail and then into uh, later years into trade and commercial and, uh, and then uh, into the digital. Uh, and what what made the business great? Um, it was certainly people, right from the very foundation. Mm-hmm. Was uh, certainly lucky enough to uh, to join as the organisation was moving out of that entrepreneurial, uh, independently owned uh, business, and uh, moving into being a listed uh, organisation. Uh, now, at that uh, time, to come into a still then smaller business, but a hundred stores um, nationally and uh, a couple hundred million worth of uh, turnover. And what, what uh, you very quickly realised, there was something special about these people. Mm-hmm. They, they, they were part of something. And there was very, uh, very clear values of the organisation that were developed. And, uh, and, in the early stages, they, they weren't so uh, there for everybody to see and on the wall, mm. but you, you felt them quietly. 
Mm. You felt them as you got around the business. And, uh, and what we did is really start bringing those to life. And, uh, and those values were around passion, uh, openness, uh, open to your trade partner, open to your fellow team member, open to new ideas, mm. integrity. Um, if you were going to say something, well, did you mean to do it? Um, did you say it with integrity, trying to build and make, make uh, something bigger, better, um, mm. someone grow? Uh, the, the discipline of, uh, of an organisation. You know, some people are you know, quite confronted by discipline, but uh, you know, discipline is interlinked to integrity. If, you, if you're going to say you're going to do it, well, follow through. Mm. Um, follow through for your workmate that you said you were going to do it for or for your customer that you know that if you didn't that they weren't going to be satisfied there's there's an overarching uh, value uh, michael that i i think is more critical than than anything that uh, that as a leader um, that as as an organization your, your culture must be founded on care and that, that critical factor of caring for people keeping people safe. Uh, if you can do that, then you know, people actually are likely to care about your business. Mm. They're likely to care about your customer. Um, and actually some pretty great things can, uh, can happen when you show real care mm. for your team and for your community that you live in. Mm. You've hit it right out of the park in, in the, you know, like I'd actually didn't expect the, the, you know, the, the chat about SEO to be quite so relevant to the rest of the things that I've sort of planned on talking to you about today. But I think it's a really, I mean, and it doesn't surprise me at the same time that, that everything you just said was, I think that's the only, I think when a when a business comes from what you've just explained, it's really the only way that someone who can in, you know, engage with a business on a conference night for two hours or whatever it was, and then leave and get the feeling that I got, you know, like it's got to be strong like that. It's got to be really, that's got to be intrinsic to the business. Um, otherwise, you know, it's, it, it, it would feel like it was just being said and not lived or said and not done, you know? So um, it's sort of certainly, that certainly stacks up to what I took away from that night. Um, you're not in Australia now. You're currently in New Zealand, and that's obviously, um, you know, a big. That's a that's a big relocation. Did you? Was that a full family relocation? What does that? What did that look like? So, Michael, my uh, my now home has been uh, Coffs Harbour in uh, New South Wales. Uh, has been for some fifteen years, and uh, I commuted. Uh, out, out around the, uh, the country, across into New Zealand and uh, internationally, because um, obviously the former business had um, activities in all those regions. Uh, and so uh, commuting has been a part of my life for a lot of years and mm -hmm. uh, you enjoy what you do and you've got great teams around you. Uh, that, that is just something that you do. Mm -hmm. and, and equally, I think uh, when I look at the move across to, uh, to New Zealand, uh, uh, the, the biggest driver behind that was certainly I'd felt that I'd been able to contribute um, in the, the 14 odd years I'd been in uh, Super Cheap to, uh, to grow you know, from a, a 100 stores to that 330, well over a billion dollars 
Uh, we had uh, the benchmarked against industry highest engagement levels for our teams, uh, um, strongest NPS uh, uh, drivers from a customer uh, perception point of view. You know, a brand that uh, started uh, as very much the baby in the, uh, the industry to being the market leader. Uh, wonderful associations like with uh, um, Supercar and the relationships that uh, grew out of that and the authenticity that that gave us with our customers and our team loved the interaction. We didn't win many races, uh, but we were there and we were having a go. We were the underdog, yeah. underdog uh, giving it our all. So when, when it came to actually uh, making that decision, that was uh, one of the most uh, difficult decisions in my life to leave such a powerful team mm. uh, that had supported me and that I'd been lucky enough to be a part of for all those years. So the first thing I looked at was for an organisation that had similar values and uh, explored uh, options um, because I, I always say that what a leader needs to be able to say is what can they deliver in this organisation, not in the year that they're there, but what, what can they help to deliver in the, uh, the longer horizon? Mm. So it was about values alignment. It was around what um, the business and what you could do in uh, in that business, and the uh, the opportunities I walked through a number of options uh, became very clear. And uh, and so might attend in uh, New Zealand is uh, a very uh, separate business to the Australian business. Mm -hmm. It's very different that it is uh, you know, not a uh, wholesale organisations selling to um, to what is a, a group of people, but in New Zealand, it's actually what is called a cooperative. Mm. Cooperative is made up of uh, very significantly invested shareholders yeah. uh, actually own the organise uh, organisation, mm. but also embedded in the organisation. But those members. They own a part of the centre, the support functions. Mm. Uh, they also are most likely owning assets in the, uh, the organisation. And, and so the, the business has uh, grown over 45 years to uh, a business that uh, is approximately uh, $1.8 billion. Uh, real appetite to, uh, to grow well beyond that. And that's uh, obviously New Zealand centred, mm. uh, New Zealand owned. Uh, very high levels of engagement uh, in the team, but a real uh, appetite uh, to uh, to move towards what they need to be in the future to be just as successful as they uh, have been up to this uh, point. Mm. So in the long journey to say how I got uh, here, uh, commuting still from uh, Coffs Harbour and uh, even today as we talk, I'm in my third round of uh, isolation in a hotel uh, oh. in church. Wow. Uh, you're doing 14 days. I travel with my uh, bike uh, now and a wind trainer. Yeah. And uh, the chairman would say to me, uh, you seem to be very productive when you're in these hotel rooms, <laughs> uh, which is fantastic from a work point of view. <laughs> uh, but there is an implication of that uh, as well. You can understand that uh, I'm doing a month in New Zealand mm. uh, to month you do a month of isolation and then you have a month with your family and so mm. that serves with some really uh, significant uh, challenges as well and you've got to be very careful 
uh, mm. to balance that circumstance. Absolutely. Um, it probably leads me into another, into this, uh, into another question I've been thinking about asking you is around your personal why, you know, and, and I think that level of commitment that you've just explained to take on a role in this, in these current, in this current, you know, climate and these circumstances around the quarantine and the month, you know, the month in New Zealand, the month with your family, you know, you've got to have a pretty strong understanding of why you're doing what you do. Otherwise that starts to fall over pretty quickly. Do you think that's a fair, that's a fair, yeah. Yeah. I think uh, um, someone asked me once, what is it that makes you special? Mm. Uh, and a lot of people will automatically answer uh, the businesses that they've been a part of, the jobs they've, uh, they've done. Mm. But actually, there's a deeper part to that question. And I, I would say to anyone listening, I would say to anyone in life's journey, understand what it is that makes you who you are. Mm. And if you think about those moments in your life, there's 10, 10 of those most significant moments that make me who I believe I am today. Mm. One of the things that, that I was taught as a very young man was do good things to those around you and good things will be done to you. Mm. Um, not a great writer, not a great poet that gave me that. That was my mother. Mm. That uh, journey of life has been about what can I do to do good things by people around me and although I wanted to be a builder as uh, when I uh, finished my schooling, I've never ne been near building places I've been to swinging a hammer to make money uh, would be in my current uh, role where we sell hammers. Yeah. <laughs> the journey of, uh, of my life has been about understanding whatever I do, I, I like helping people to do things productively, help them grow, Mm. Uh, to help provide solutions to customers, the fascination with dynamics of uh, connecting with people to deliver outcomes for customers. And uh, if you understand that fascinated, and you and I talked before we came on air about that fascination when I walked out on our farm all, all these years ago and saw this jumbo jet flying across, how do I get on it? Mm. Where does it have the excitement of even thinking of getting on one. Mm. And, uh, for me, I'm fascinated with what it is that you know about who you are today and equally the fascination of who you need to be tomorrow. And that's personal mm. and that's about this. Yeah. And creating a path. And I love creating paths with people because when you bring people together mm. and create some pretty special magic and that's, it's probably another thing that I'd, I'd say to you in that, what, what is it that lights me up? In my 14-year uh, journey before, I worked with some tremendous executives. And, uh, you know, one of those executives that came through the ranks, um, store management, area management, came in and led uh, business functions for me, uh, then was uh, very intrinsic in the executive team and uh, was appointed as a CEO before I was. <laughs> what a moment. Yeah. I'd been lucky enough to be a part of that young person's journey, yeah. got them into that position that they had aspired to be in. And I think that's a, 
our real desire to actually be part of people's journeys. Mm. Real willingness as an individual as well to, to hear what you, you know, don't necessarily want to hear. Yeah. If you hear what you don't want to hear and you're willing to actually help people and equally help yourself, it can be a pretty satisfying, um, satisfying journey. So mm. uh, my reward comes out of uh, helping people in a business um, context, in a personal context, how do we grow? Mm. How do we be? And how do you do good things for people around you? And guess what? Good things happen. Mm. I, um, I love hearing that because it's something that um, is really close to me is that human connection within business. You know, it's, it's the humans behind the business that are the driving force. It's, you know, the business and the brand are one thing, but it's the humans within them. And, you know, I, I'm a pretty optimistic and positive person, but I, I'm, unfortunately, I feel like there's too many people within business that say that that's their focus I, and it's not, and, and it's too easy for them to get swayed by, you know, this, 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 the typical things within business. And I, and I, and I don't for one minute think that that, you know, take, pick that up from you both in now that when I heard you talk at the super cheap auto conference and listening to you now, I think that there's a real genuine authenticness to what you're to wait to the way that you're talking about that. And I love that. And I think that's, and you know, I think that's great, but it, it sort of, as you were talking, it sort of makes me reflect on, um, you know, something that I've experienced in my own career, which is, you know, I've done a lot of work on, you know, I've done some coaching, sort of personal professional coaching over the last couple of years. And I've done a lot of reflection and study around myself and, you know, how I behave and, and act and, you know, think and all that sort of stuff. And something that I landed on was, um, and I'd be interesting to get your take on this, but that I, I often, and I sort of struggle with this, even as I'm saying it, I often go into a, 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 um, a business sometimes like with almost with too much trust with too much trust that the business is going to have the right um, are, are looking out for me and, and, and interested in what my objectives are and how I want to work in with the business, you know, and, 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 and even as I said, even as I say that, I'm like that it really shouldn't be like that. You should go into every situation and every relationship with, with full trust. And then the, the, the other person or the other party, can take take away from that but that's where that's where your starting point but it's sort of gotten me to this point it's gotten to me this stage where i'm a bit more guarded you know i'm a bit more protective of how much do i trust when i go into something how you know is this is this is what this person is saying today you know are they actually going to you know hand on heart stand by that in 12 months time when push comes to shove and things get a bit tough for the business and you know what i mean and again there's no real point to this other than I'd just be interested to maybe get your thoughts on that and what you've experienced in your career around that. Uh, don't ever lose that um, first um, position. Uh, mm. so, uh, trust and uh, you know, good people and I, I think you know, fundamentally and over the years having travelled you know, um, from one side of this globe to the other, um, many different cultures uh, fundamentally, people are good. Mm. Uh, they they need love. Uh, they need um, they cover over themselves. They uh, they need um, shelter and food. And 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 most people are good. They they want to help each other to achieve something greater than they have today, tomorrow. And 
Now, I think that's got to be a fundamental belief. And mm -hmm. um, if you really take that through, you've got to assume uh, good in people first and, uh, and give your trust. You don't give your trust, why would they give you trust? Uh, that would be my, my view. Mm -hmm. the, the things that I think uh, in, in that is you, you're trusting, but also you know, that in doing that, uh, you need to to be comfortable showing, you know, the, the vulnerable side of who you are. Mm. You know, no one's going to get it all right, and yeah. uh, and as a leader, um, as a person, uh, as a parent, uh, it's a journey of life. And uh, I think if you can give trust and receive uh, trust, uh, the wonderful things about humans we're imperfect, uh, but actually together. Uh, we can actually help each other through those those moments. And so to talk to that for a moment, one of the things I do uh, every year uh, with my uh, teams, you know, lots lots of people hear about um, 360s and, uh, and that's a part of professional um, life. Um, engagement um, surveys uh, where you judge feedback about broadly the business or about uh, leadership indexes or, mm. or the like. yeah, that's expected um, you know, listen very carefully what those things tell you mm. uh, and then and develop a plan and so one of the things that I've always tried to do to grow trust of those around me is to create an environment where those moments telling me what might be uncomfortable for that person mm. uh, telling me something that maybe unintentionally I'm doing as a leader that they think I could do better, um, creating those uh, opportunities for one-on-one -on -one or confidential pathways through Google search documents or other forms to actually hear what you don't want to hear mm. is, a, is an amazing way of building trust when you do something with what you've been told. Mm. Thing that I've always tried to practice in life is to create those communications that people would feel uncomfortable with and you can build by hearing it confidentially or directly and then actually going back to the person and saying well this is what I've heard this is what I'd like to do about it and so you know trust is not just giving it's about how do you go about building trust mm. uh, each and every day with people and and be comfortable. You're going to get it wrong. Yeah, um, it's going to work. But at least if you've created that environment of trust, people are going to tell you. And I think that's also when you think about the success of Super Cheap Auto, our team were first. They knew they were. Mm. Uh, did we get it all right? No. But when they told us we got it wrong, uh, then we leaned into it, and yeah. uh, that, that strength of trust for the organisation, for the leaders came out of that because mm. it was just so constant. It wasn't about one event. It was about consistency and getting the occasional thing wrong on that, that journey. Mm. Yeah, consistency, it's a funny, it's, it's, it's such a powerful, that's another reflection as you said that, you know, I find that I, when I engage in partnerships or in business, you know, often you know, it's when you, when you're dating someone, it's all roses and it's all happy and it's all, you know, positive, but that consistency, you know, can really start to drop away. And, 
you know, that's where it can be quite disappointing. I've found personally is where you go into something and you think this is great. And you start thinking about what's in two, what could be in two years, what could be in five, what could be in 10, but then the consistency of, you know, of that relationship or of the, you know, the dynamic within the business starts to starts to chip away. And, you know, naturally things are going to happen. People are going to leave and things are going to, you know, sales aren't going to be great and you're going to go through periods of time, but you know, you can still have a consistency of approach to all of those situations, regardless of what's actually happening. Um, and I've found personally when, when thing, when people start to, when the consistency of people's behavior and actions starts to erode, I think that's a really hard thing to, you know, all of a sudden you start to go, all right, hang on, if that can erode, where do I sit within this whole thing? Where do I, you know, where am I going? You know, it's very hard to hook into something and, and feel yourself getting, pulling through that. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I'd be interested also to get your take on how, when you're in, when you're employing people or, you know, like even down to just basic things, like, do you have go-to interview questions when you're trying to get to know someone, what I'm picking up is you're very, you're very connected to the human. And so I'd be interested to sort of understand how you go about. So the importance then of knowing who you're working with is obviously going to be, you know, paramount. So do you have certain strategies or techniques to try and chip away and get to know, but you know, obviously you don't know someone until you've worked with them for a period of time, but do you have certain tactics around, you know, how to try and get the most, you know, out of people in terms of getting to know them, you know, when you're going through that process? Yeah, look, it's, a, it's an interesting um, thing, uh, Michael, and I'd probably go back to the journey of life. So I didn't finish um, year nine. In perspective from a, mm. a, um, a learning perspective and I, I didn't go back to study formally um, for a, uh, until I was mid-30s mm. and so my educational foundation was fairly limited but uh, you know, what, what um, I was given from one of my early mentors was some words that uh, I took through my journey and he said uh, young Chris he said give more than is expected and you will receive more than you ever expected mm. yeah and uh, and if I think about uh, that those words the first thing I look for when I'm having a conversation with a person is what are they willing to give mm. what are they willing to bring to the organization and mm. what what is it they're going to bring and that's so not a piece of paper mm. that is a about what are they, that person, going to contribute. Mm. And, uh, and so when I look for people, the first thing I look at is the pure will of that person. Mm. And uh, no, as you're um, probably aware, I've been to, uh, to Everest on uh, three, um, three occasions now. Mm. And I've only uh, got to 8,000 uh, metres at this uh, point. Um, it's 8,848 if I uh, sum it. I'm, I've uh, certainly not finished that journey. Yeah. Persistence of a person. Yeah. yeah. Demonstration to me that even when it gets tough, that actually they're going to really move to that next level. Mm. And, uh, doesn't mean by themselves. It's uh, using people around them, uh, connecting with a partner to say, so I've got this problem. 
how do, how do we work uh, through this together, mm. uh, the system? Mm. I always uh, say then it is about the technical capability of a person. What have they done? And, and that's not necessarily just about a technical expertise that says, no, you've been a merchant, a category manager, so you've bought things. Uh, and so, but it is a demonstration of success in whatever their technical area has been. Mm. If you can display that you've achieved success, that, that can be transposed into anything. If a person mm. can be successful at baking a cake, yeah. a marriage, um, at a job, mm. then I say that's a transferable skill. And so for me, you know, it's, it's more about the will. It's more about the demonstrable persistence, the absolute drive and passion to you know, anything can happen. Yeah. That they've been able to demonstrate that they can actually be successful in different things in their, uh, their life. They're the things I look for mm. more than titles and the jobs they've done and the numbers necessarily that they've uh, delivered. Mm. But, um, Absolutely. Yeah. What, what are those, um, what are those Everest experiences taught you? You know, like, you know, what an amazing, I mean, I, I, I think I've, I know someone that's done base camp and it was the, a treacherous experience, you know, like we're talking, <laughs> we're talking, they, you know, they were staying in a hut one night and all of a sudden someone started yelling and they all ran out of their hut grabbed whatever they could on the way out and the whole thing burnt down, you know, and then they'd move, then they're trying to hike through the night to make it to the next hut. And one of them's got, you know, altitude sickness and, you know, you know, like the, uh, there's persistence in that, you, you know, what have, have you sort of, other than what you've, you know, shared so far, is there anything that you sort of walked away from those experiences as a life lesson going, you know, I'm glad I, I'm glad I had that experience. Yeah, look, I, th I think it's, um, you know, it's, it's a real learning in terms of who you are as a leader personally, a leader in your family, a, a leader in your, your organisation. What are the key takeouts? Whatever you are going to do, be planful about it. Mm -hmm. make, make a uh, and actually think about what are the things that you need to, uh, to do to actually be able to achieve that. To do that, it is never about what you think alone. Mm. You bring into that conversation. Mm. Um, people around you that are going to support uh, the journey. Um, and I don't necessarily mean support you on the journey, but mm. support remotely. Yeah. Uh, support you in motivating you uh, when you're getting up at 4am to go out and do your exercise because as you build up to such a um, activity, you go from about three hours worth of training a day to up to about uh, seven hours a day training just before you go. Wow. Be very clear about what it is you need to do technically. Mm. What are the techniques, the, the technical skills that you must have? Because when you're on that uh, mountain and you're deprived of oxygen or something goes wrong and uh, you've got to move quickly. Uh, you can't be thinking about what you're doing. It's got to be automatic. And so the lesson out of 
fatties actually keep doing what you do until you get very well, uh, well, very good at doing it. There's a fantastic book called uh, Outliers from Malcolm Gladwell. And, uh, they talk about 10,000 hours. It takes 10,000 hours for someone to be an expert. Yeah. Well, if you think about that, some people become very good sooner than others. It's not that they do less than 10,000 generally, it's actually they do more hours each day to get good at what they do. Yeah. Be willing, be willing to listen to those around you, even when you're the CEO of a business or you know, a highly successful individual, at mm. times must be led. Yeah. And being willing to actually say, I am not the expert here, mm. he is giving advice to me to help me in achieving this. And you've got to know when to lead, when to support those around you and when to, to pull back. Mm. And the, the other thing that I'd say is that, and it's a lesson that applies to business or, or, or that journey, even when you think you have the plan, even when you think you have the plan, something will happen. And it's, the, the matter isn't that it's going to happen because it will. Mm. It's actually what you do next when it does that matters the most. Mm. And that ability, that willingness to say, even though the plan is there to get to the top, actually something just may stop you from doing that. You've got to be able to be able to say, no, it's not today. Yeah. Actually, the most important thing about life, the journey, mm. is actually that you're alive tomorrow to help you to get further. You're going to be successful. You're going to have failures, but actually, it's that you're there tomorrow that's what matters mm. uh, to and to go forward absolutely Out of those, uh, those journeys. yeah yeah chris what um coming into a business like mitre 10 and um needing to needing the team you know i would assume listening to you that it's very important for for whatever team you're going into that they understand this this level of self-awareness and awareness around the team and the, and the leadership role that you play within that team. Do you, what do you, what, are there any sort of things that you do to try and fast track, you know, getting to know the team or them in, or more importantly, them getting to know you and what your, what you represent and what you personally represent, you know, is there anything that you try and do early in that phase to, yeah, just, just, just to make sure that, that, you know, because I think it, as I said, as I listened to you talk, I think it, it would be very important for people to understand that you come from this position of very human focused, human centered, um, you know, self-aware and, you know, team focused. Um, how, you know, how do you, how do you create that? I think there's something I'd always would say, why would someone be interested in me if I wasn't interested in them? And so the, the first thing that I would uh, do in a, for anyone moving into a new leadership role is, are you fascinated with those around you? And I don't, I don't just mean what they've done, what's important to them? Mm. Do they have children's dogs, sporting uh, things, hobbies? Um, what is it they want to achieve in their journey? And, uh, and so the first thing I try to uh, to do 
with, and don't ever do this with a false um, approach. It's got to be genuine, mm. is understanding what is important to that, uh, those people. Yeah. And if you do that, I normally find that people start getting interested in you. Mm. And I think at that point, you, you do need to be very clear about who you are, who you want to be. Yeah? And that's um, showing you know, what it is that's important to you, who you think you are, but actually the areas that you might need help. Mm. And showing that uh, vulnerable side of you that says, I'm not good at all these things. I'm going to need your support. And, uh, and so when I come uh, into a leadership uh, role, when I came into uh, to my attend, I said it uh, said very clearly, and it's uh, on my uh, wall uh, in the space where I need to team, uh, my commitment to them, uh, what I want to be known for. Mm. And it's a often conversation to say, this is what I've said, both privately where they can give feedback through other others uh, or directly to me to actually say, yes, I think out of those six things, um, I'm seeing that, I'd like to see more of it, uh, or actually maybe I'm not seeing it at all. Mm. And, that, and that invitation to give direct feedback is really, uh, really important. But it starts mm. with be genuinely interested with who's around you mm. and you'll find that connection, whether it's a trade partner, a team member, a family member, a friend. Mm. I think you'll find it's something that if you're genuinely interested in people, then you earn the permission of actually having someone be interested in you. Mm. Have you ever found, I feel like it might, it's, it's a concern of, you know, probably managers, well, I would say early in their career, managing other people that the idea and maybe it's a bit of old school mentality, you know, the idea that if you let your, if you get too close to your staff, you're too, you know, that you, there's a line that they cross that they will start, you know, that the respect line or the, you know, authority line or whatever it is, you know, have you over your career, have you experienced that, you know, and, and do you have any thoughts around that, you know, how you manage those relationships to ensure that there is respect of the roles, but also, you know, trust and, and empathy and, and understanding you look it's, a, it's an interesting one if you if you probably go back to the start of a my journey where leadership was more about command and control mm. uh, and that uh, that sort of what would you say interaction socially was probably limited by the titles and the mr the missus the the Etc. cetera, uh, that was the norms of that day. Now, those barriers no longer exist. I think there is, however, a real need to be very clear about what hats you're wearing and when. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that uh, if you make certain that people are not unclear about what hat you're wearing and you set the rules together, not you individually, you agree the rules, when we are playing together in a work environment, this is what we do. Mm. And be clear about equally when you're not doing that, you're in a different environment, what the rules of the, then I don't find that it becomes confusing. I think it becomes confusing when people are not clear about the rules. And 
you know, and I don't think you should be afraid of having those uh, rules because if you're a friend out of work and you're in the work environment, there's a different game to be played. And, and you've got to play your parts very well to achieve the outcome, actually not just for you and that friend, mm. actually other people that you're responsible to. And, and I think as long as you don't ever forget what you're really there to do, mm. you help each other to be clear about the rules, then I don't think you, you have a, a real challenge. Now, have I experienced challenge over the years? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, uh, and I think that would be unnatural if you hadn't. Um, you get better at it and you probably get to a point where you're better off defining, you, know, you get like I've just spoken to, you, you learn that let's not be unclear about what we need to do and, and when, uh, because otherwise you know, you're in that social environment, you start talking about something a, a work subject and do you know who's behind you in that hotel or barbecue and it ends up being a competitor well that's one of the rules you when you're outside of work you're not talking about really critical confidential things that is in the work environment when you're in the boardroom when you're in that executive uh, room and the doors are closed well that's the time to talk about it that, does that help um, yeah absolutely no no it's great i think it's just yeah, no, that's great. Um, Chris, I'm really conscious of the time that I've already taken, but um, I, I, before we sort of wrap up, I, I'd be interested to understand if over your career, um, if you've ever, have you had many experiences where you've taken sort of clear diversions from where you thought you were going. So, you know, we all sort of have that mental map about, I think that, you know, you know, it's reasonably loose, but we try and map out where we think we're going in our career and what we're doing. And I just wonder, you know, like you, and I, I, and I, and I purposely don't look at people's, you know, LinkedIn's and go too deep because I like to discuss it with them on the, in, the, in this podcast. But if I look at your LinkedIn, you know, you've had an incredible experience across you know, the biggest companies in retail. And I just wonder if there were, even within, even though you've gone from, you know, major retail corporation to major retail corporation, if, if you've had moments where you've gone, actually, I thought that I was going in this direction, but I'm, I'm realizing after these experiences over the last few years or months or whatever it might be that I'm actually, I'm going to start going down this path now. Uh, yes. Uh, if you'd asked me that question 10 years ago, Michael, I, I would have said that as a leader, um, as, as I shared with you, one of those things that I was told as a very young man was be planning, uh, planful. Yeah. Plan what you want, share it with others. And through the leadership uh, journey, as you become confident at what you do, um, you learn from others and, uh, and you start having a fairly clear view of what you believe to be true and what is possible and what's the best path to achieve something. Mm. You, you're pretty clear about that. You mm. mean um, as a peacock or cocky, I just mean you, you have a confidence. Mm. Uh, you can take a problem and work it through in your mind to a solution fairly quickly. Now, the danger in that is that you could be limiting what it could be. Mm. So now that journey for me has been a very uncomfortable journey of actually coming into the room 
and trying to help people not feel that I have a conclusion in mind. So how do I come into a room and be able to confidently communicate the question, mm. the problem, um, the vision, and then actually to step back, uh, to step away, to step out of the room. Mm. Actually see creation happen from your ignition. Mm. Uh, the vision, the challenge, be there to help, uh, be there for the advice or there sometimes just to listen. Ask the question. Yeah, don't give the answer. Mm -hmm. I think that that uh, journey has been the more I've learned to be uncomfortable with actually not having to be a part of the total solution, but to be very aware that I am very responsible for asking the question or setting with a team a vision that can be clear of where we might go. I think that's been a both a real learning journey, a constant challenge, and it, it has amazed me how many times that I've been so um, so uh, so absolutely overwhelmed with what's been achieved because mm -hmm. it was so far beyond what I thought it could be. Mm -hmm. I'd constrained it with my own own solution. Chris, I couldn't think of a better way to finish this chat on. I, um, you know, the, this, this idea of the question really sums up really the reason why I'm doing this. It's about being better at asking questions because I think, you know, and as, as you've alluded to, and as you've said, the, the real brilliance comes from knowing the right questions to ask, not try, not knowing the right answers to give. Um, and you know, that's something that, that and curiosity are the foundation of why I'm doing this podcast. So again, thank you, Chris. This has been a fascinating chat. Um, I've really loved it. And uh, I wish you all the best with your current quarantine situation and the commuting that you're doing. And uh, yeah, thank you again. Great uh, pleasure, uh, honour, and thank you for inviting me to be a part, uh, part of your session today. Thanks, Chris.